so strong. I have gotten the best feedback from people who've just so enjoyed the transparency that so many have been walking in. Um, and that's going to continue tonight. I'm actually, I want Tammy to actually introduce Mike, but I wanted to just say of Mike that so solid, come on up here, so solid, so grounded. And I've told you this for some time. The word that I get when I look at you in the cell and those beautiful babies is the word roots. Roots, and anytime the Lord begins to put down roots, you can expect fruit to begin to flow and growth to come and expansion. And so I just stand with you in that word of God planting and bringing much fruit in your life. And I'm very grateful for you and your family. So, Tammy. Oh my gosh, she gave me the microphone for you. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody that you felt like you knew your whole life? That's. Mike in the cell. It was so fun. The first time that we started singing with Mike, I felt like um, my family sings. And um, my brother actually lives in Wisconsin. And it was so funny when I went home that night, I, I told Tim, I said, oh my gosh, it's like singing with my brother. He has such a passion for Jesus. And it's so real. And it's so genuine that you can't help but be pulled in by it. And whether he's singing or whether he's speaking, the words that he shares... It's not, you know, the religious thing of I am going to speak tonight and blah, blah, blah. He shares from his heart, and what he's sharing is so real. It can't help but change you. And being around their family, you can't help but feel Jesus. You can't help but feel the love of Jesus just pouring out of them. Both of their kids just carry that same thing. So I love you, love you and too. I've been praying for you, and it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Tammy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Mm, Lord is good goodness. All right. My weakness, he is strong. Those that know, know me know that I'm not really a talker. I grew up as a pretty shy, shy kid, and I would still consider myself quite shy. Um, I'd rather just sing you my whole testimony, but I won't do that. It'd be kind of weird. <laughs> But I was raised in Southern California, yes, uh, in a Christian family. My folks were divorced, unfortunately, when I was about two, but my grandparents took us in, my brother and I, and, and my mom too, and uh, had a neat, a neat time with that. I mean, my grandfolks were just sweet, sweet souls that would to take in grandkids, uh, two boys, is just Lord bless them for doing that. But being a parent now, I, I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I was real shy, but I was always drawn to the outdoors, drawn to nature. Um, there was a show on in, in the 70s, 80s. It was called Wild America. Marty Stauffer's Wild America. I don't know if that was on out here in the middle Tennessee or not, but um, I would always go out after I'd watch that and go into my backyard in Southern California and get my binoculars and... and tried to find some wild animals. and There were a lot of wild animals in Southern California. If you're around Southern California in the 70s, Pastor Wayne, you probably ran across some wild animals in Southern California. <laughs> they were a little harder to... The real wild animals were harder to find with the binoculars in L.A., but we, I looked and uh, loved gardening. I still do. Uh, 
uh, I had an uncle and an aunt that they had a, a unique setup. They were they lived on a parakeet ranch, and so they isn't that unique? Who's I mean, how many times do you hear that? Uh, I missed something good. Uh, but they had a they they had a house there, and because they managed the parakeet ranch, they got a place to stay. And so one year for Christmas, they got my brother and I our first parakeet, a little blue one. We named him Perkins from a, a show uh, called Sheriff Lobo. It was one of our favorite shows back in the 70s. The mighty Sheriff Lobo. Keep him strong. Uh, so we had our first parakeet. I was just really fascinated by, by birds. It was so neat. And they, they saw that and they sensed that. And so later, I don't know, a year later, they got us another parakeet, a pretty yellow one, a harlequin is what they call those. And one thing led to another, and my grandpa and I started raising parakeets. It was so cool. At about 10 or 11 years old, we had this little side business. I had my business cards made up and everything. And at our peak, we had over 60-some parakeets. And we'd take them down to the pet store in Pomona. And uh, we'd call John at the local pet store, and we'd say, hey, we're bringing our, pet, our parakeets down. And we'd sell them some, and he'd buy them for 4 5 $6 a piece. And he would turn around and sell them for like 15 to $20. I learned a lot about business as a, a 10-year-old, about this word called mark, markup, this phrase markup. Um, but uh, every once in a while, these, parake- these little baby parakeets would die. It's just kind of part of the deal. And, uh, oh, no, no, I'm getting ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they do die. Yes, they do die. Yeah. I'll, get to the, I'll get to the death and dying here. One day, I lost one of my favorite parakeets. It was a, it was a green parakeet. I, I loved it so much. And somehow, I don't know how it got out. It got out. And I was pretty bummed out about it. And I remember just going to the Lord as a little kid saying, please, God, give me my, my parakeet back. You know, just a simple prayer of faith. And I remember eating dinner, probably the fastest dinner I ate, and wanted to head back out to, to the parakeet, to the coop. And on my way out there, I saw something rustling in the bushes. And I got closer to it, and sure enough, it was my parakeet. Now, we didn't clip their wings. They could fly. They weren't like homing pigeons that would fly out and come back. And not only was it right there, it let me reach in and grab it, and take it back to the coop. And so at a young age, when you hear a song like, His Eye is on the Sparrow, that song comes to life and it becomes real. And that was, it may sound like a a little Hallmark Channel movie thing, (laughs) but for for me, it was a foundational time when God became so real that he heard my prayer. His eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on the parakeets too. (laughs) Back to the death of parakeets. So these parakeets would die, these little ones, these little babies, and they were so cute, but I was just intrigued with how they worked. So I would, this might get a little morbid and gross, but I would take a little knife and dissect them to try to figure out what made them work and how they, how, you know, what was inside of them. And so this continued into junior high. We got into dissections of, of, of other animals like you probably all did, but we got to the worm, and everybody was bored of the worm. And I'm like, oh, this is so exciting, the attention to detail that God had in his design on a little worm. Fascinating. I took that fascination to uh, physical therapy school, went to physical therapy assistant school at Loma Linda University, and we got into gross anatomy. And some people have the emphasis on the gross part. 
But I loved it. I loved it, and I actually got to teach gross anatomy. I was a lab instructor for two years after I graduated because it, I loved it so much. But the fascinating thing about it to me was we had three, three different rooms that were all connected. We had about nine human bodies in each room, just lovely people that donated their bodies so people like me could learn. But I could go from one body over here and have them dissect it out and find a particular muscle. We'll call it the flexi carpi radialis longus, so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I could go all the way across to that third room and point out that same muscle to another student with the same bony protuberance uh, origination and the same insertion point, with the same nerve supply, with the same artery blood supply. Fascinating. To me, to see God's design in front of me like that just blew me away. And not only does that, that muscle, the musculoskeletal system, it just blows me away, and it's fascinating that that works and that stuff fires and it all contracts the same in everybody. But the, that system works together with like the respiratory system and the nervous system. I mean, we nearly start to dissect it all and, and, and that it all works together just seamlessly. That right now, just doing this, all kinds of muscles kicked in. My eyes looked over and focused on that. All kinds of muscles in there worked. To me, and I know people have been arguing this for the ages, but I just don't, it didn't make sense to me that this could just happen. That could come out of a blob somehow over billions of years. And then where did that blob come from anyway? I mean, if it was started from a blob, it just does, it make, takes more faith to believe that it all just happened over billions of years than to believe that we have a mighty creator that has a, just a beautiful, ugh, talk about an artist. Whoo! Amazing. During that time, during that uh, physical therapy time, uh, I was dating a gal. We actually went to high school together. Had some of the same interests. We were both athletes, and so she was interested in physical therapy too, so we both went to physical therapy school together. Dated for about four years, and then we graduated from physical therapy school. And it was kind of like, well, we're grown-ups now. Now what do we do? Well, we, we get married. It was kind of like the next thing to do. If anybody's in a dating relationship, I'll speak to you briefly. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to get out of a relationship before you get married than, than afterwards. It's a, lot, oh, it's a lot more painful to get out of it afterwards, coming from experience. And if the relationship you're in is okay, but it's not great and it's not God-ordained, oh, give you, Lord God Almighty, get out. Uh. So I went through a divorce at a young age. I mean, I remember telling my brother just a week before, we were sitting by the pool, and I said, Pete, I don't know if I'm supposed to get married. My brother's only two years older than me, and you know, we're in our early 20s, and he was like, what? Not a whole lot of people to bounce that off of. It was just me and him. So I just went through with it. A song that really came dear, 
dear to my heart was, uh, I was a big Stephen Curtis Chapman fan, and going through that divorce, uh, one of his songs was one of the songs that was kind of off his radar, which I'm always drawn to the songs that aren't the most popular ones, kind of off, off the radar, a song called Wait. Uh, you familiar with that one? Based on Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord will rise up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And I would sit in, my, in our house. She was gone. and um, I'd play that song. I can play a little bit on the piano. If there's guitar chords in front of me, I can, kind of, I can figure it out enough. And those times of just me and God in that house, talk about feeling the presence of the Lord. I wouldn't wish that pain on anybody. But the closeness, the, the tangibility of, of God's presence during that time is just, just priceless, just beautiful. I just felt his presence there during that time that he comforted me so much. I sang that song uh, in church. I had a buddy that played piano, a good friend of mine. And uh, I'd kind of, at that point in time, put music kind of on the back burner. And I decided to sing the song for my home church, uh, called Wait on the Lord. And just as a proclamation to my church family, I didn't say a word before I sang it, and a proclamation to God saying, I'm waiting on you because I know you have something in store for me. And I feel your presence and I feel your peace and I know you have great plans. Song, kind of one of the verses says, uh, You wonder when the Lord will renew the strength within you. You wonder how, how can he use you as you are? It seems like you're wasting precious time. But then a voice comes to remind you to wait, oh wait. Wait on the Lord. You will understand in time. And I never sang that song again, though it came up a few years later, and I'll get to that. After that, it was kind of an opportunity for me to, to bring the music back to the front burner and uh, pursue uh, music ministry, and God started opening great doors there and um, introduced me to a well, it reintroduced me to a friend of mine who I went, also went to high school with, who was very, uh, very smart, very artsy, uh, Nacelle. And um, yes, it's the same one that's here today. <laughs> In case you know another Nacelle. <clears throat> um, and I have to share this because this is just too funny. Um, we started dating after doing some business stuff. Doing, she did my first demo cassette. She did the photos and the graphic design, and then my first album with my band, Common Creed, which I'm sure you all have that album. <laughs> and, <clears throat> but I asked her after we started dating, I said, did you go to my first wedding? And she said, uh, yeah, I was a candlelighter. <laughs> oh. You can't make that stuff up. (laughs) And I'm sure God's just up there the whole time, just smiling over it all. Oh, goodness. But we were dating and uh, went on a camping trip with her family up to uh, Northern California, a place called Shaver Lake. And uh, 
had a really good time with her uncles and aunts, and I wanted to get away. As I said, I love being alone. I would probably make a pretty good hermit if I really chose to, but I know that's not God's plan for his church. Talking about community. Hermits don't really fit in that. <clears throat> I fight that battle a lot. But uh, I got away. Getting away still is important. I got away on this lake, on this big boulder overlooking uh, Shaver Lake. And at this point in time, I was doing music a little more. It was kind of growing. I said, Lord God, I, I don't know what your plans are for me. But I want to be used by you, and I want to be used by you in the fullest. I said, close doors for your kingdom's sake and open other doors for your kingdom's sake. And that was it. And it was one of those prayers after I got done, I went, ooh, what did I just pray? <laughs> the very next week, I went back to my uh, therapy clinic where I was working at. I worked there for several years, and uh, our manager at the time called me into his office. His name was Gary Coleman. <laughs> he looked a lot different than the other Gary Coleman. This Gary was 6'7 and white. He, <laughs> he called... He called me into his office. Uh, we were in a Bible study together. We were good friends. And he said, Mike, at uh, this time now, I, I, I kind of went, went back to three days a week because I was trying to balance the music ministry and stuff. And he said, listen, the three days a week thing is not working. This was the very next week I had this prayer at Shaver Lake. He said, the three days a week thing is not really working. We would love to have you five days a week. You have a job. But if you can't do the five days a week thing, we're going to have to let you go. And instantly in my spirit, I, I wasn't stressed out. I was just like, whoa, that was a quick answer. And I know God doesn't always answer, again, qu uh, prayers like that quick, but sometimes he does. And that one, I just had such a peace about it, a smile on my face. And he said, go, just, you know, go ahead and you can pray about it. And I was like, no, I, I got it. I'm good. We're all right. And uh, that launched a full-time music career, which was, uh, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail tonight, but it was awesome. I mean, to travel around the country. I was on the radio a little bit here and there and rode that wave for a little bit. Uh, to me, it was just like, like when you learn to dive, I was the kind that would get in the posture and say, I'm ready to dive in, but somebody still had to nudge me in. I said, here I am, Lord, send me, but I'm not going to step out. You go ahead. And, and he pushed me into a full-time ministry, and I just, it, was just, it was just awesome. Excuse me as I sniffle. Pardon me. I don't want to sniffle like you the whole time. And mute. <laughs> so I was, yes, dating Nacelle at the time and she was so patient because I really, when we, it was like a veil was lifted. We were doing, like I said, doing business a lot, doing the album stuff. And we had our uh, Valentine's Day came around. And we just decided to go on a date because she said she hated Valentine's Day, you know, been burned so many times and just, you know, all the love stuff in the air. And, and so I just wanted to take her out on a date just for fun to make it a nice time for us. Well, God had other things in store. And to make that story real quick, we were just, connected at the hip from that night on and knew right away, oh, this is going to be my wife. But also knew I was just a few years out of a divorce and I didn't want to get married again. And she was so patient. Three years later, we got married and uh, 
Mm. It was in a church that looked a lot like this, very similar. And she came down that aisle, and my band started to play this song called Wait. Mm. I had the microphone in my pocket. It stayed right there. <laughs> I was going to sing. I couldn't do it. I was, I was pretty much pretty weepy. But just to see God come full circle, knowing that he had something so beautiful in store for me, and there she was. Mm. Yeah, just God is so good when we wait on him, and sometimes it takes a while, but he answers. Mm. Where are we at now? Well, we're here for starters, because we almost weren't here. Uh, we, we suffer from something that Pastor Wayne said, uh, called, uh, what was it, wanderlust. Nacelle and I see parts of the country and go, ooh, let's live there. Ooh, that looks so cool. Uh, there's so much of the world to see, you know, and we were ready to move to Asheville, North Carolina. We put our house on the market in 2013, and we're just saying, here we are again, Lord. Send us. Close doors, open other ones. And uh, Pastor Barbie talked just a little bit ago about the roots, and she pulled me aside on a Sunday morning and said, I'm so thankful she did, and that she, she spoke what God put on her heart. She said, when I see you guys up there worshiping, I see the words roots or rooted and stay. And it was so cool that she had followed that up by saying, I'm not saying this, meaning that you need to stay here and be rooted here. But wherever you end up next, whether that be here or there, you're going to stay and you're going to be rooted. And boy, was that right on. Because since we decided to stay, the doors in, for Asheville started just closing. And we're okay with that. And just in the last year's time, to see those roots go down deeper and to look around this room and see some of the relationships with some of the guys uh, that I've linked arms with, that I pray, pray with and do life with. And I say guys, guys and gals, of course. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and to see our kids get surrounded by such great people and, and love and people that love on them. God knows what he's up to. <clears throat> and so 2013 was a big, pivotal year for us because it was a year to decide for God to direct us, and hopefully we listened to where we were supposed to live for the next season, however long that was going to be. And also at the end of 2013, I had a problem with my physical therapy license, where it got suspended for 45 days. Got back from Thanksgiving vacation, and I had a letter in the mail that it was suspended for 45 days because of a mess up on my part for some continuing education courses that I just, honest mistake, screwed up and didn't get them all in. Paid a $1,600 fine, thought that was enough, uh, and had this 45-day suspension too, and that was at the end of the year. Both of our kids' birthdays are in December, and it was like, whoa. The Lord provided amazingly through that 45 days, through some of his saints, through this church, through other family and friends. We didn't, we didn't, didn't, didn't miss, a, miss a beat. Yes, miss a beat. Skip a beat. Miss a beat. Um, we were taken care of. And it was beautiful. So, in 2000, this, so we got our new house in Rockvale, which was just, when we first saw it, was, we knew it was for us, and God had our, his plan for us to be right there. And in December, and we see this theme coming up from Ernie speaking and from Jill speaking of these stones, these 
building altars. I don't know if that slide made it to the, to the overhead folks or not. Yeah. So this is down by our creek, and in December I decided because of this, this church teaching us about these, this altar, that beautiful song that I did, totally did, really didn't understand when we first started singing it, but I watched Pastor Ronnie just love that song and worship so much in that song, and I, want, and I said in my mind, I, got, I don't get it yet, but I want to because this guy does. And that song came alive to me, and I started understanding more and more about the stones of remembrance that Jill was talking about um, and laying down our own stones as a sacrifice, as rough as they are, knowing that he will make them holy. And it was, for me, a stone of remembrance for our family because I don't want to forget what God has brought us through. So easy we can forget. The children of Israel did it with manna from heaven, parting of the Red Sea, and they just forgot how big God was. And for me and my family, I wanted to build something to say, thank you, Lord, I remember what you've brought us through. <clears throat> That's one of our tools, one of my tools, because of, I forget things quite, quite easily. I didn't want to forget this time that he's so faithful and took care of us in his provision. One of my other tools that I use is, uh, is prayer in my car where I drive about 45 minutes uh, each way to work. And my little rule I have for myself is I don't do this mo- movement, turn on the radio, until I've prayed. And most of the time, especially recently, I don't ever hit the radio because I'm praying all the way in to Shelbyville. Um, that's one of the tools I use, and I've just grown to love, love that time of prayer. Another uh, tool that I, that I love is, of course, reading his word, but more specifically, Pastor Wayne turned me on to this, where he learned from somebody not too long ago, but Pastor Wayne and uh, Gene used this system, if you will, of breaking the Bible down into five sections. And it's not a read it in a year plan. Because for, for me, on the read it for a year plan, this is just me. If I get behind a couple days, I throw my hands up in the air. A pastor told me years ago, he said, I've learned if you fail at something enough, you're just going to finally quit. And this isn't that. This is a, a, like a, I think of it as a lifetime Bible reading plan. So you, if you're taking notes, uh, you can break it up into these sections, and I'll try to explain it briefly. First section is Genesis to Esther. Second section is Job to Song of Solomon. Third section is Isaiah to Malachi, and if you miss these, well, you can just grab me and I'll tell you. Fourth section is Matthew to Acts, and the fifth section is Romans to Revelation. And the deal is, correct me if I'm wrong, sir, uh, you start at reading Genesis 1, and you can make it halfway through and pause and ponder, or you can make it all the way through Genesis 1. When you get to the end of that chapter, you write the date down that you made it to the end. And I love that because it's kind of like a little treat, like, I did it, I made it. That same day, if you want, you can go down to the next section of Job, Job 1, and read through the whole thing if you'd like, or read a little bit of it. But when you get to the end of Job, chapter 1, write today's date. And then to the next section, Isaiah, all the way through. You could do all five chapters if you wanted once, or you can, like I said, hang up in one section for a while. To me, it's really, really neat. It's been a blessing to me to have this kind of a reading plan. Did I explain that well, Pastor Wayne? Did that make sense? Did I leave out something? Okay. Reading through like all of Leviticus in one sitting to me, just I would, 
kind of haze over. This is nice because I can break it up a little bit. And the third tool that I'll share with you tonight, uh, Nacelle and I were raised in the, I mentioned it once before a long time ago, but raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, and they're, one of their big deals is, is resting on the seventh day, on, on the Sabbath day. And the Ten Commandments talk about that. Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day. In it you shall do no work. You're, you, your manservant, your maidservant, your donkey, your ox. And for us growing up, it wasn't the most, all the time, the most beautiful thing. The Bible says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, but a lot of times our carnal selves will want to add to it and make it harder and make it more rigid, and then it turns into, well, you can go to the beach on the Sabbath, but you can only go up to your knees in the water. (laughs) That's what it really turned into. Or as in the Bible, well, you can't spit on the Sabbath. You can't do this. You can't do that. Full circle now, we've uh, chose to have a Sabbath day every week. And on Sundays, we are purposeful to say, we're not doing any work. Not going to do any yard work. Not going to do any patient notes. Anything that gives you this feeling of, ugh. And to us, it's a, it's a beautiful tool to, I mean, if, if it was important enough for God to rest on the seventh day, it's probably pretty good for us too. Um, rest is an important thing. I try to hammer this into my patients a lot because some of them just want to do more and do more and do more because I'll get better if I do more. And I say, you have to rest. Your body needs to recuperate or it's not going to get better. You're going to keep tearing down the muscles and you don't give them time to recuperate. And it's the same with us spiritually and, and physically. Jehovah Rapha, Rapha, a Hebrew word is, means healer or to heal. And I learned recently that comes from a the root word. It sounds very much like Rafa, but it's Rafa that comes from the word rest and to let go. And there's so much healing when we rest. When we, and I understand in the Old Testament, a lot of stuff is to point to Jesus in the new covenant and we're to always have our daily rest in him. I understand that, but there's something also just really beautiful about taking a whole day off to rest and enjoy his goodness, to enjoy nature, to enjoy family, and to not focus on work. And don't feel guilty when you're resting. God calls us to rest. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. If the band would come up, wherever you are, And those that will be praying for people tonight, if, if you have prayer needs, if you need healing, if you need a, a touch from him, we have beautiful people here that want to pray for you and encourage you and, and lift you up. If you, want to, if you need rest for your weary souls, encourage you to have prayer uh, this evening. <clears throat> if, you're not, if you don't need prayer, why don't you stand on up and engage into worship again. Let's uh, create an atmosphere of prayer and worship for those that do need prayer.
the world You stepped down into darkness Opened my eyes Let me see Beauty that made this heart adore
bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and may your roots go deeper and deeper and deeper into his love and may that love fill you and flow out of you to everyone you come in contact with and may you walk daily in his rest in Jesus precious name amen we're going to do one other song here tonight is that right so hang around and we're going to do a little more worship. In, in reference to what uh, Mike was sharing about that Bible plan, I'm going to post that up on our website because if you're interested in it, you may not have caught what he was sharing. So it'll be there in a day or two. All right. Let's just ask God to rise in the rest of this week. Amen. Amen. Oh, 
We'll see your goodness in the 